episode 264 of the Global From Asia podcast, taking a walk in Bangkok. And we'll be talking about pricing. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to episode 264 of Global From Asia. We've got some Asia background happening right now. I don't know, just like to add some at a, the real life feel. Our interview will be nice and quiet, don't worry. It's a good one with Paulina Masson talking about pricing strategies for sellers, specifically in the Amazon world. But... Before we get into that amazing interview, just a couple of minutes, my chit chat. It's uh, summertime. Man, it's been the busiest summer for me personally. There's some uh, updates. We're really busy working hard on the Cross Border Summit three months away. Getting some ticket sales already. Thank you everybody for taking part and supporting the show. Actually, Paulina will be a speaker. At just We confirmed it after the interview. so. If you like our interview with her today, you'll be able to see her in Guangzhou in October, 22nd and 23rd. Man, it's really loud. I've been doing phone calls too while I'm here. And Bangkok is a loud place outside, at least downtown. But what's going on with everybody here? And uh, Alvin's our editor. He's also on the road. But, well, taking a BTS. I'm going to take you guys with me if I'm allowed. I've got to buy my ticket, though. My, uh, let's just get into the interview, and then I'll, I'll do my blah, 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 if you want to keep hearing this loud background noise on the train. I'll talk about some of my own experiences. I mentioned it in the interview, too. But if you really want to hear more about my own pricing experiences, you can hop on over at the blah, blah, blah section after the interview. Let's go into the show now which will be much more quieter and calm with Paulina Masson, shopkeeper, CEO, founder, talking about pricing psychology for sellers. Are you looking for quality content for your online or e-commerce business? Looking for a reliable company that could make that stuff happen for you? Check out www.contentinvestments.com. It's actually a lot of the team members behind what you're listening to here or reading or transcribing or however you're consuming this content. Maybe you're also watching our video version of this show. Whichever way you are, it would be great if you'd also consider using the service behind it. Contentinvestments.com was set up for requests of people that wanted to have a team to help them create more content consistently. We have monthly packages as well as just one-time choices for all kinds of things from listings to writing blog posts, video editing, and podcasts like this. So check it out today and it would be great to have you. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into a Global From Asia podcast. We are doing these interviews on the, on the go. So we have a great guest. She's in Turkey now, and I'm in Bangkok, which makes it pretty international. Pauline Masson, founder and CEO of Shopkeeper. Thank you for being here, Paulina. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, 
we were just we we worked hard to get this to happen. <laughs> it's been, That's right. We, with our online our online teams or maybe on my online teams, we're uh, growing and uh, keeping things rolling as smoothly as possible. And um, excited for today's topic. And but before we dive into the pricing strategies and and psychology of pricing for Amazon or e-commerce or business in general, do you want to maybe? Give us a little bit of background about yourself today, Paulina. Sure. So um, I'm one of those Amazon sellers that jumped on the wagon in the gold rush times. That's 2014. So if you would look at Google Trends and you would put in Amazon FBA. So 2014 is when it started going really quickly up. And then that's when eBay started going down a little yeah. bit. So, so I guess that's what we call a gold rush. And those were easy times, you know, to start and launch the products. We had a lot of things that sellers don't have today. So um, it was good, good times to join in. And that's how I became an Amazon seller and uh, became slowly, slowly developed my expertise in, the, in this niche. And because I am a developer by background, software developer, I just realized that I need this certain tool and then to do this and this, I started automating my things a little bit for Amazon business. And that's how Shopkeeper was born, the initial version of it. And eventually, so many people started asking for it. First, my husband, then my brother, then the Facebook group that I was part of. And we decided to hire a team and build it from scratch, make it commercial product, which is very successful today. Exciting. That's, that's always the best way, right? To make something for your own, your own need. Um, Eat your own dog food is, I think, what they say, and then people are asking for for that as well. So, so then, so pricing, I guess that's that's your your thing. Is that yeah? Is that uh, so? Into in the gold rush days in the early days, was that also something you were using to differentiate? It seems like it's an was and is always been an important part. You think? Well, numbers, I'm a numbers girl, you know, so I really like everything about the numbers and the shopkeeper app is all about the numbers is a profit calculator. So I have a lot of knowledge about different fees and and things that come into the pricing. And because pricing strategy is so closely related and it's so numbers based. So I've always been personally curious about it. And I used a lot of different strategies and split tested many things on my own uh, seller account. And then it became sort of an obsession of mine. And I, I just started learning more and more and testing many different things. And now I, I, I have a good feeling what works and what doesn't. And um, I've, I've spoken on this topic in different conferences for Amazon sellers. So after I talk, usually sellers approach me and ask me for feedback on their own strategies. Okay. And that's how I gained a lot of insight from different perspectives for different categories of products. So okay. now I feel like I have this sense, you know, which price could work and which one wouldn't. So yeah, it's my personal favorite topic. Great. Then, uh, then today will be a treat for, for listeners. And so like, we'll, we'll talk about some ideas. I even have some of my own questions for my own use uh, to ask you. Um, but I, I think, is price everything in Amazon? I mean, some people feel like, they ask you like, oh, with the, you know, of course there's factories or Chinese sellers direct is, is price or low price. I mean, a lot of people think the lowest price should be the, the top results. I mean, of course there's more to it than that, but what do you think is the importance of low price? 
I think price is a big driver and it's a big decision factor for the buyer. Overall on Amazon, you know, since Amazon launched there, the motto was, you know, we have the best prices and the biggest selection. Because of that part, the best prices, mm. they attracted many of those bargain hunters that are sort of expecting the best price online to be on Amazon. And because of that, the prices on Amazon are not so much for the luxury buyer, but more for the bargain hunter. Mm -hmm. if, if you look at the, at the, at the curve, there are more bargain hunters on, on Amazon. So it's interesting that you, you are asking about low prices that important. Well, overall, like I said, it's important to even, the price as a factor is like the second most important on Amazon. The first is the image, and then the second is the, the price. And that's all that people look at first. Later, they look at reviews, at social proof, if they like the product. But the very first thing is the image and then the price together with that. So price is super, super important in your strategy because even you can have the best bullet points, the best something else, you know, if you don't have good pricing strategy, you may lose in, in that, you know, first search page of results. So it's important, you know, to, to really focus on it. All right. So what would you say is like a, is there terminology for like the lowest price, a premium, a luxury? Is, is there some terminology that we or sellers should use when we're talking about our own product or looking at our competitors? Is there? Yeah, actually, it's interesting that you ask. There are three different buckets of buyers. So, um, and this is, has been research has been done, which I was very curious to read about. So this is not only for Amazon. In general, what type of buyers exist for e-commerce? So there is this type called Scrooge, like the bargain hunter, right? So that's not necessarily the guy who has the least money. It's very often the rich guy, you know, but those guys really like to the, the cheapest they can get, you know, if they will have all the plugins that compare the prices online and then they will just look for the, the, the cheapest, 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 doesn't matter anything else. So actually those guys are 24% uh, online. That's 24% of them overall that exist from all the buyers. And then there is this luxury buyer, you know, the buyer who doesn't even think about the price when they buy it. Actually, I'm one of those. And those <laughs> are not necessarily the richest people either. You know, those are like just the big spenders who like, if I'm thinking very long, should I buy it? Should I not? It's not the price that is tripping me up. I'm thinking, will this be beneficial for me? How will I use it? You know, that's what takes me a long time to decide. But usually the big spenders don't even look at the price tag. They just look if they like the benefit of the product. So there's only 15% of those. And okay. the rest in the middle are like average spenders, 61% of them. So there's this research been done, but okay. on Amazon, it shifts a little bit more to the bargain hunter, just because like I said, Amazon positions itself as a place where you can buy the cheapest product. So not okay. necessarily you have as many luxury buyers on Amazon either. So now when you're putting your strategy, you usually will fall into one of these buckets, whether you will target, like if you want to be the cheapest, you will target those Scrooges and you'll fight for the, for the price with the other cheap guys, you know, yeah. and that's like the toughest bucket to be in, but you can still make money there. And probably the, everybody's favorite niche to be is target as luxury buyer, you know, because you can put whatever price and they will still buy it if they, the product is good. But just like I said, there are not so many of them on Amazon. Mm. So if 16% overall exists, probably a little bit less on Amazon overall. So in terms of profit, 
uh, in the volume, how many sales you can make and profit you can make, probably the best bucket to be in is that middle where people yeah. are not so affected by the price, but they're still looking for good deal and good quality product. So okay. that middle is probably the best place to start with. But if you see that nobody is offering the, the super cheap product or nobody is offering the luxury item, then you could go there and then you'll have less people to share with that, that little profit. So um, it all depends on the, on the other competitors. What are they doing? So it's always important when you're deciding a pricing strategy to look at all these other guys and see what they're doing. And that's how you would base your pricing strategy. Okay. This is good. I think um, some listeners know we, we sell some, we have like a public case of coffee products we could talk about, but we're kind of in the middle too. We, we try to follow the middle, the middle strategy of quality and price. So uh, another point we had talked about in, in uh, preparing for the interview is the 95 cents, 97, 99. Is that, it, you know, it, what's your, and then some people just do like five point zero zero some do four ninety seven obviously it's just a few cents or even four ninety nine I know that's something interesting for for people it, and you must have some insights on that I'd love to hear that's right it's a very interesting psychological um, effect that happens you know how we, we see this ninety nine ninety nine everywhere and like I was thinking before, like, what's even the reason for it? Why everybody's doing 99 seems such a complex number, you know, 29.99. Well, a long time ago, I discovered that the answer is very simple. If you compare 29.99 and 30, you know, that one is 20 something. This one's 30 something. That's huge difference. That's very significant. So that's all the basic difference. But now what happened with the 99, that we became conditioned to feel that 99 is some sort of bargain. It's some sort of good deal. And unfortunately, very often, good bargain means lower quality item. If it's super cheap, good bargain means probably lower quality. So that's where you can play a little bit. If you are targeting those luxury buyers, you know, the big spenders, you could round your prices to have like 45.00 instead yeah. of 44.99. And then they will feel like, hmm, something's a little bit different. Must yeah. be not such a good bargain. Then must be a little bit luxury item, right? Yeah. Just this one cent makes the whole difference because it's different. We are not used to seeing the round numbers like that. So you can play on that a little bit. And there are a little bit more strategies. Do you want to hear a few more? Sure. These are great. This is really great. Yeah, please. <laughs> so you know how this 999 everywhere and so on? So because of the nine, we started to believe with this part of our brain in the back here, I forgot what it's called, but that's the one which is driving for you when you don't even think about it so that okay. 999 became put into that part of the brain that you don't even think about it nine equals good deal so now i tested in my prices and i had a lot of wiggle space i was targeting the luxury buyer most people were doing 18.99 and i was doing 34 dollars for the same item because i was targeting those big spenders i decided hmm they don't care much about the price. Let me change it to 39, you know, because nine in our brain is like a oh, better deal. Yeah, Actually, yeah, yeah. 39 started selling so much more, you know, that this number of sessions increased, even though there was $5 difference in the, in the profit. And in total, I was only making maybe $11 on that item. So $5 was significant that, you know. Yeah, sure. And in the end, I tested that with the, with the other bracket, with the average spenders as well. Actually, 34 sells much worse than 39 just because there is a nine in it. Yeah. 
And in the end, I realized that there are other charm numbers. They call them charm numbers. Charm. You know how Walmart is doing 995 always with mm-hmm. the five in the end. Yeah. Or like all internet marketers are using seven at the end. I like think seven, seven, yeah. Or 67, yeah. So those numbers, five, seven, and nine are the most common charm numbers, like end numbers. Mm. And if you use those in your price digits, so instead of using 34, 36, use 35 and 37. And that will help you sell more and get more sessions just because of that, like I said, part of the brain which thinks automatically about it. Like, so avoid those even numbers, four, six, and eight, and always just go look at your listings and switch the prices up to be 35, you know, 37, 39. That will totally help your uh, number of sessions. Um, there's many different tricks and things with that, but this is the most interesting bit for me that if you just switch up the digits that you use, you can gain a lot. Yeah, I like it. And uh, I learned about charm number. That's a great, that's a great one. And, and, uh, you know, going back to the cheaper price, you know, like you said, I think Amazon or Jeff Bezos says, I think it's three criteria, the cheapest, the fastest and the best service, something like this is their goal. Um, So does that mean like, like I see some competitors coming, new competitors coming out and they, they're launching their product, they're dropping, you know, they're, they're selling at cost or even losing money and it freaks, you know, I think sellers there, it's, you know, it's scary, right? You're like, do I change my price? Are you looking, you know, I guess, of course you got to look at your, you mentioned it in the interview a little bit too. You, are you looking at your competitors? I guess you're looking at your own data, you know, how much paranoid should you be about like, especially new competitors coming in and, and uh, drop in the market. I know it's scary when there's so many, like right now is about 5 million third-party sellers on Amazon. You know, there are so many other guys in the same bucket and it gets more worse and worse and worse with this Amazon FBA being <laughs> the gold rush. But in reality, though, those who are playing for the very cheap price, they are also um, playing it on the quality. You know, when they go to Chinese manufacturer, they usually tell them, okay, let's not use stainless steel, let's use this regular metal, which mm-hmm. rusts right away, and then mm-hmm. they get lower reviews. So it's like lower quality goes with lower price, you know. Yeah. And I think if you, if you continue having very high reviews, like minimum 4.5 stars, you know, if you are there and your product is high quality and he has three and a half stars with his like $10, you know, you definitely still have an edge, you know, because like I said, not so many people are affected by price. Even sometimes you would put two prices next to each other. Like when, when I'm choosing, okay, I'm a big spender, maybe I'm a bad example. But I think in general, people, when they see like $10 item, 12 and 18 they think that mm, I'll buy 12, 10 is probably the low quality, you know, like they discard the lowest one just automatically. So you still have space for, for competition there. Okay. Plus you brought up this interesting thing that you said, do you have to look at other people on your page? You know, those um, sellers that I mentioned that come to me after the conference, after I give a talk on the pricing and they show me their phone and they say, Paulina, like, what should I do? First thing I always do, I look at all of their competitors on the first page and see what they're doing. And that's how I always recommend basing your initial pricing strategy. Don't forget, you can't just look at like one snapshot of, you know, if he's doing $18.99, I'll do $17. No, you can't just look at that snapshot of today. You have to open something like Jungle Scout and look at like historical average of his price. 
you know, maybe it's a promo he's running, maybe low on inventory, maybe, you know, he has a repricer. All these things can affect his price. So you have to look at the average, historic average of the price, and that's how you base your decision. Uh, keep in mind some of the people um, could be even out of stock and not show up on your listing. I've heard sellers that they create this product, they launch, they come to, and then suddenly there are other strong sellers with 5,000 reviews. You know, they were just out of stock when they were <laughs> looking at the market. So, you know, when you are deciding on the product niche, you know, keep checking every two weeks, you know, if, what's happening in, in that, in that category, maybe seasonal, maybe something. So it's, it's very, very important to always look. Plus you'll see all the players, how they are distributed, who's targeting the luxury guys, who's doing the bargains and who's in the middle. And then, like I, I discovered in my niche that there was nobody doing the luxury buyer, you know? So I went to my Chinese manufacturer and I told them, okay, let's upgrade this item now to be uh, stainless steel instead of this regular metal. And then, you know, let's add a box and a velvet bag. And now I can charge $10 more just because it, it looks completely different. Sure. Benefits are different. So, you know, always look at what exists first before you even start thinking about anything. That's, that's really great. Um, the frequency, I think, or how, you know, I'm talking about paranoid people. Um, well, I'm sure your software also can help. Is this, but some people, are you checking every day, every five minutes? Are you refreshing your page? Are you, you know, um, what is some daily workflow or, or uh, how, how often should we look at price? Actually, Amazon, if you look at Amazon listings themselves, like what they run, you know, Amazon, Amazon listings, actually they change price like every 10 minutes or something. Like oh, wow. this very, very, with sense, they just have so much data to work from. But us as sellers, we don't have that much data to work from. You know, it's very hard to manually keep checking every day and the repricers are not really looking at any other listings, which is most important factor in my opinion. They're only looking in your buy box. Mm. And if you're like the only guy there, you know you can't even use repricers and if you do split testing of any kind split testing only works on high volume products you know because mm -hmm. you don't have enough statistical significance if you only sell five units a week you know you have yeah. to have enough volume to check it there are other things affecting split testing like seasonality or ppc demand and supply they're so hard to test and change the prices I think once you discovered what brings you good volume, like in the beginning you may, may change it, but later I wouldn't recommend changing it up too much. Um, except things like coupons. Coupons expire, you know, every 90 days. So you should go back and check and enable them. There's just one button click to re-enable all your coupons, you know, and um, check what other competitors are doing. Maybe, you know, once a week, if it's really high volume product, you could check once a day. But, you know, if you have 10,000 license, that gets hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would just focus on your best sellers. But changing the price is really risky business. It affects, it's one of the strong factors that affects algorithm, uh, A9 algorithm on Amazon. Yeah. So if you change it up, it takes algorithms some time to get used to it, right? To now see, ah, now higher volume coming and there are more CTR, more. And, and as soon as you change the price, it becomes like a new test cycle for the algorithm. So you have to give it enough time to actually react, you know. And what if it reacts badly? <laughs> it pushes you down, you know. So then it, you have to quickly go back and it's, oh, it's very, very risky. So in the beginning, when you're setting your prices, just decide your strategy very well, you know, over a span of time, check what the situation is. And uh, 
just play like that. If it's super, super competitive market and you are really worried about the price and you are very tight in the margins fighting with the other guys, what I would recommend doing is, let's say you are like second or third or fourth result. I would exactly copy the bestseller or, or the Amazon choice tag. Let's say he's doing $29.99 and 5% off. Well, I wouldn't say $29.99 and 10% off. No, I wouldn't even buy $1. I just do $29.99, 5% off. Exact same match what he's doing. Why I do that? Because when people are skimming, now suddenly the prices are matching exactly. And the price becomes a little bit irrelevant at that point. Mm. They are now choosing which one they like better, right? So now you suddenly become, if you have at least five reviews, that works. So, you know, now they're choosing by which one they like better. So it's very often, you know, don't make them think, ah, this guy is $1 cheaper, but he has less reviews. Don't even put them there. You know, the buyers just put exact match price and coupon, exact amount, and then you'll be on a different bucket of consideration. So it's a nice strategy to use sometimes if you are yeah. really, really struggling. I like that. Um, one specific question popped in my mind is the psychology, I think, between the $10, right? Like one of our items is at $19.95. I don't know if the five is right or not, but it seems so hard or scary to go to $20.95 or $20.99, you know, because you're going from, you know, nine. $20 to $30. So then do you, you know, that's the tricky one, at least in my opinion, we're considering increasing in our price, but then you're going to go into the $20 range rather than the teen, teen dollar range, you know, like that feels like also. What's the profit margin? What's the profit margin on that item? Like, uh, do you know, like how uh, much yeah. percentage? Uh, it's about, uh, about $10. We're paying, you know, so it'd be about 12 so yeah, like about 40, double. 50% margin? Yeah. Okay. 40% margin is usually the top or, or like the most private labelers are having 40% margin. And that's a good guideline when you're setting your price, like where to look, where your ceiling is. It's a good mm. guideline to think that 40% is the maximum you can charge. Okay. If you charge 100% margin, then it's probably going to be out of the normal price, you know, and that gets this extra. Mm-mm. There is one thing though, like, 1995, I would never change to 20 or 21 because it will be already not 19, but 20 something. Yeah, exactly. There's this decision. Uh, I don't know. You know, like you have to go and check with your wife now at this point. Should you spend <laughs> that much money or not? Like there's this little bit of decision struggle at that. Um, but if you would have asked me right now, if your price is 22 or 23, should I change it to, to more? I would say yes, because in US you have $25 free shipping threshold, right? And if you are just below it, that means that the person has to pay for shipping like $5.50, let's say, right? And in that case, if you're paying $5.50, then you end up paying like $27 in total. And that is more than you would pay when you have free shipping, $25, right? So I would totally recommend if you have any products right now that are just below the free, sh- free shipping threshold, then you can just increase the price to be just a little bit above, you know, and yeah. that would definitely, um, definitely That's help. That's great. That's great. So let's, uh, we're talk. I, I, I think holidays got to be Q4. We're still got some time before fourth quarter, but I think that's where most sellers, including us, um, make your money. So 
you know, is there's, there's obviously so it could be a topic in itself, a podcast, a course, but I think that's when you should increase. I mean, I think generally that's when you make your money, right? So is that when you're increasing your price normally in fourth quarter or is there some thought process or psychology or you drop in price? Yeah, there's probably so much to this. Things like that because everybody stocks up a lot on inventory and very often sellers who have overstocked, they're waiting for the season to come and hoping, oh, I'm just going to sell it when Christmas comes. But, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people who overstocked and then with Christmas season gets half into it and they see it's not selling that much. And in January, they'll be stuck with huge storage fees. Mm. And in December, the storage fees are super, super high, you know? Yeah. So in reality they are dropping their prices a bit. You would think that they're increasing because demand is higher, but because everyone is stocked so much and it's so expensive to stock it, you know, in in December, actually many sellers are dropping the price to get more velocity, more sales and more everything. Mm. And uh, I don't know, in general, I usually just leave my prices as is because I don't want to affect the algorithm, like I said, Mm. because once I know which price works, I leave it. And then all the other guys get rebooted by Amazon, rethink, right? Reconsider yeah, while I'm going strong on the same way, you know, and then it's just more sales, more sales. It's, sure. it's just so, yeah, it's very hard uh, to do that. But you should keep in mind your cost, though, you know, maybe your margin now you said it's 50%, mm. you know, but if you're playing with the price on some of the products, you may have only 10% margin. Keep in mind that that could be eaten up by storage costs, which are so much higher in uh, the three months of the seasonal of the Christmas, yeah. especially in the United States and Japan. They are like very, very, very high. And uh, I don't know if that could eat up all of your margin. You know, you have to consider that as well. You know, sure. and that could be the, the trigger when you could increase your price. So always look at many other factors as well. Yeah. yeah for some listeners or maybe for you we uh we didn't sell like our main product the coffee pot last year it didn't it made it through christmas without selling out but it takes three three months or so to restock from ship you know manufacturing shipping at least three or four months so it's just dangerous you don't want to run out of stock so we increased our price so i'm talking twenty dollars now we jacked up to thirty five dollars and it still sold out in january it was insane. Like we couldn't slow down. Even when we increased to thirty-five dollars. Now it's at twenty. We couldn't stop the sales. Like it just kept coming. In January, I think it was gift. Right. We felt like it was gift cards, but then we ran out of stock, and we had, it was like a month out of stock. So you know, it's just I think also maybe sellers should think about running out of stock, right? But we we couldn't even slow down sales. We turned off PPC and we increased to thirty-five, and it still sold out. It was it was crazy in January. So, um, but, uh, and you know, this has been a fascinating conversation. There's, uh, is, is there something I'm missing about this? I mean, that we should add to towards now getting towards the end of the kind of the meat of the, the conversation. Mm, I guess I could mention the bundling that is important to do bundling when it makes sense. Okay. So you know how the, the bundling, if you bundle instead of one product, you connect two of them together with scotch tape and then you label it, that becomes a bundle, right? And you actually make more profit per unit when you do that, even if you lower your price by a dollar or something. The reason this happens is because when you add another unit, FBA fee doesn't double up. Referral fee does double up, but FBA fee just slightly increases. And that's where all your savings come from that. And then so if you have two or three units bundled up, your 
your profit per unit sold, it could be much, much bigger than you just selling single items. But not every um, item is suitable for bundling. So I okay. would suggest start with the singles, run it for like one year, and then look at your Seller Central business reports okay. and check, you know, how many orders came in and how many average units they bought. And if something is over 2.1, you know, then is a good item for bundling. And I would bundle those, especially for upcoming Christmas season and things like that. Great. That's great, Paulina. Thanks for adding that. And let's talk a little bit about what you're working on. You mentioned it towards the beginning, but the software shopkeeper, um, can you give us some insights how it, how it can help us with this pricing game? Yeah, so actually, uh, Shopkeeper is a profit calculator. There are okay. 72 different fees on Amazon, fees and charges. So usually, if you, when I was a seller, it was so hard for me to go and pull all of these 25 different Excel reports. Then mm-hmm. you download them, then you pivot tables, then, oh, you know, so much work. Yeah. So I, I, I created an app for myself to catch all of them automatically. Any time of the day, I would log in, I would know how much profit I am making. And it has this little extra neat feature. You know how all new new people who are new sellers, they like to go to stats and keep refreshing Seller Central. How many more I sold? How many more I sold? Mm-hmm. And they go every five minutes, keep refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> so to fix that, uh, Shopkeeper has this ka sound that it makes on every new sale. So it keeps refreshing refreshing and checking for you every few minutes, you can leave it in the other tab while you're working in something else and it makes ka-ching and the tab changes to no sales, you know. Nice. Even if you have like a nine to five job and you have one screen open, you can still have a tab change and see that you're making sales while you're working. You know? Cool. So, yeah. so little things like that, but in general is managing by exception type of tool where you see the problems first. So it helps mm. you to see, ah, I'm overspending here. Oh, I'm doing this wrong. Okay. And then you go and attack those first. So that's the key uh, feature in, in our app. Exciting. Okay. And then how can, how can people find more about the software and, and, what, and how to find you guys online? So if you go to shopkeeper.com, ah, let me give you, I guess, a little uh, surprise that I prepared. Okay. Uh, so normally uh, our free trial is 14 days, right? And many promotions that other apps run online, they usually give like 30 days or like 60 days free trial when they do bonuses. But today I would like to give you a special, special deal. It's going to be 180 days free trial. So (laughs) six months free trial of shopkeepers to anyone who's listening. Especially useful to those new sellers who are just starting up uh, because at that point you can't really afford any tools yet. Okay. So to claim that, go to shopkeeper.com and you'll see a little chat bubble in the corner. You know, the regular start chat bubble like all the apps have. Just open it up and type in Stingray 180. You know, the fish, the stingray, which I like. Oh, stingray, so okay. So all capital letters, stingray, 180. And that will automatically upgrade you to the uh, six-month free trial. Nice. Thank you for that. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> Christmas in July. <laughs> We're in July now. <laughs> That's right. It's awesome. Actually, July is the month when I'm starting to order my Christmas stock, right? It's true. It for for sellers, and, yeah. It yeah. truly is for us, yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Pauline. Thanks for sharing your insights and that extra little bonus for, for us sellers here. And um, thank you again. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay. Are you looking to make payments? We've been making lots of payments into Thailand lately. Immigration here is very, um, very much liking money coming into Thailand. I guess every government 
likes money coming in and not going out, but that's why it's great to have cross-border payment services like GoRemit.hk, one of our long-term sponsors here at Global from Asia, and we really appreciate them. We use them ourselves to pay our amazing team, Alvin Editing This, and others. We simply need to get their bank account information. They do not need to create an account at GoRemit, and they will just receive money into their bank and their local currency, whether it's in the Philippines, Vietnam, China, or other parts in Asia. GoRemit.hk is a great source for low cost, especially for smaller payments in multiple places around Asia from your Hong Kong bank. Check them out today and tell them GFA sent you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Paulina. So for those that remember from my intro, I was supposed to take the subway or the BTS or whatever the thing is called, and uh, I didn't have change. And so what happened was... They, uh, there was this huge line and the machines broken and it's 41 bots and I had to have coins so I didn't have enough coins and uh, then I jumped into a taxi which just picked me up. I'm, I'm literally walking on my laptop connected to uh, my microphone. As I jump in, the guy doesn't speak any English. Well, why should he? He doesn't have to. And I'm trying to show him on the map. He can't read the Google map. So he goes off a side road. I'm trying to tell him to stay straight goes off a side road and then uh, then stops somewhere and then finds uh, this bellboy to help us and I'm trying to record this you know and so he uh, the bellboy finally helps him say where I'm going in Thai and then the guy doesn't want to drive there the driver doesn't want to go so he says get out get out and I'm acting like I don't know what he's saying just you know trying to set up my laptop to do this recording so I just keep going and uh, I'm waiting for another grab actually I'm just gonna let this roll I it's the end of the show you already got the good the good stuff from Paulina so if you just want to keep listening it's 6180 is a license plate there's just so much traffic in Bangkok I had to cancel a meeting yesterday because we both were just too far away and uh, it would have taken hours to meet it's in traffic it's just a crazy place here with this traffic, 6180. So I said I would uh, share about I would share about uh, my pricing. So like I said in the interview, I you know, we've been playing around with the smoker pot and it did really well in fourth quarter. It's definitely a good Christmas gift. I recommend anybody listening that wants to get a good Christmas gift, uh, the smoker pot would be a good one from Sisitano. So the price just didn't seem to even matter. I said, like in the interview, we jacked up like $35 and it just kept selling. Um, same exact item we have now for $20. So we just didn't want to sell it out. We, we didn't want to sell out. Where is this car? Where is this car? 6180, come on. Some Mercedes. <coughs> but anyway, that's been one, and then I noticed the same thing with uh, with other businesses I worked in. I don't know if anybody actually knows, but one of my first startups I worked with, 2003, when I was still in New York City, is a mobile app. It's a mobile checkbook, and we increased the price from 2.95 for this Nokia or uh, BlackBerry app back in J2ME days. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, we took it to 6.95 US each download instead of like 2.95, and sales went up. And also what happened, we noticed, was 
We also noticed because it was more sales up, the uh, marketplace it was Handango also increased uh, the, the the revenue so we were like one of the top selling apps in that marketplace so it was it was good on both sides and sorry you're gonna I don't know my Alvin might edit this out but I'm gonna check my my grab app where is this guy should do video like literally on the side of a the road in Bangkok I guess he's still on the way he's taking the corner it's like <clears throat> this is just insane here. Seriously, it's serious traffic in Bangkok. But, so that was another one about pricing. And then back to my bar products days, we also noticed similar. I remember Andrew, my partner, and the day, back in the days, he also said without the 95, 99, just having round numbers would work on premium products. So when the price is so expensive, it does look kind of stupid sometimes if it's like 19 $1,995.95 so sometimes we would just say straight up $2,000 and it would uh, it would kind of work is this guy come oh, I see him here's my driver it might get a little bit quieter for you guys on the next story I'm gonna get in here why not I know Lorenzo likes this stuff wait he's pulling hello hello just jumping in I'm recording a podcast Okay, close the door. Okay. Cop and cop. Alright. So we're on the way actually to see a logistics company. I met them at the Rise Conference. And they, um, they're looking for some help with getting more factories in Thailand on, online. Which is pretty cool, right? Pretty good company. Logistics company. I won't say the name yet because see how this meeting goes but back to pricing back to pricing we're in a nice this is a nice car this is great yeah but back to the bartender kit so we would sell some expensive furniture or tables beer pong tables and stuff like that and we noticed when we just stopped using the 99 97 95 it would actually do better because like Paulina said in the interview it's um it's better to uh luxury or high-priced items to stop the gimmicks or the the mindset because uh it just looks cheaper i think in my mind if i'm looking at luxury product just having round zeros and nice and clean without even a decimal place just a straight up number without 0 0.00 or 0.95 it just looks more quality we're doing a k-turn here in a major intersection it's awesome and I wonder how many of you guys are based in Bangkok. It's a pretty place, pretty nice place. But so that's some other of the uh, other of the insights of pricing. But it is true, and I've had some people say, "Mike, how are you competing with Chinese sellers selling the same products?" And this it is scary. I'll be honest with the Mocha Pot. There's people coming in really low price. I guess they're just trying to get traction because. It doesn't look like anybody's making money with Amazon fees and the price. And the product has to cost something, right? But that's the strategy of a lot of these guys. So it is uh, it is nerve-wracking. And I think once you find that right sweet spot in price, you could uh, could really leverage that for the the long term. So we're, we're stuck at the $20 range right now. Phil, Phil, I know, has recommended us to increase it. I do 
appreciate that. It's just my own thinking is it's a little bit scary to go from 20 to 21 or 22. I guess if we're going up, we got to go to $25 for this product. Get that free shipping for U.S. or other other ideas. 25 might sound round. Maybe go 25.00 or 0.01. Just look kind of crazy to people. But thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And yeah, Pauline was an amazing, amazing guest. And we're really lucky to have her come into the Crossbuilder Summit too. She has some suppliers in Guangzhou as well, she said, that she can meet. So if you guys want to meet her and and little old me and, and others, that would be pretty awesome. Talk pricing, talk shop. Got a really good group of people. So thank you so much for sharing and listening. Well, I'm sharing and Paulina for sharing. We will always have the transcript. All this blah, blah, blah is also in this transcript-heavy section. But we will uh, keep on rolling, and I will probably do next week's show in Manila. We're keeping these show-to-show right now. Thank you so much for for listening, and uh, thank you, everybody, for your input. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.